up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to Twisted Youngins, the most unorthodox show on the globe. We're back again with another special episode. We hope everyone is having a great, blessed day, staying out the way, staying safe. And as always, I am one of your humbled hosts, Myra B. King. And this is Desi Dez. And it's your boy Mojo in the building. We have a special guest, as Myra said, with us today. Sir, let the people know who you are. My name is Dr. Deontay Moss, and I'm in the building. Youngest, what's up? Absolutely. <laughs> I like the energy. I like the energy. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, When man. you say doctor, are you actually a doctor, or are you like Dr. Feelgood that was out there in Florida? Nah, nah, man. It's uh, accredited and earned. And Absolutely. earned. There we go. There we go, man. Um, let's start off like this. Where are you from, actually? Because we spoke about it. I, mm-hmm. okay. I am from the great state of Ohio, Toledo, to be exact. Toledo, Ohio, born and raised. OK. And what was it like growing out there uh, up in Toledo? Um, it's a little different. A little, uh, we had some circumstances that I had to arise. See, I grew up in foster care. Mm. Um, I had parents that was addicted to drugs in and out of prison. Um, so it was kind of a tough upbringing for me, 10 different foster homes, four different group homes, but my faith got me through my journey. Do you understand the words that's coming out of my mouth? Ah, yes, sir. And you said, <laughs> wait a second, you said 10 different foster homes, 10 different foster homes, four group homes. That's correct. How, how was that process, that whole transition? Because that, well, there's a lot of stories that go around surrounding foster homes and, uh, group homes as far as like, uh, the treatment of the children, um, some the got- care. You know what I mean? Like the rapings that didn't happen. We interviewed a stripper that and she got raped by her foster parents. Yeah. 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 Abuse and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We hear many horror stories. Um, And I would say that, you know, during the time I might not have seen it, but uh, I think all of it prepared me for who I am today. And I think it ultimately became a testimony that guy had me to go through to go through it. But during the time. I was um I wasn't happy with the foster care system because I didn't desire to be a foster kid. I wanted to be with my parents, even though my parents didn't have it right. I still wanted to be with them or my Nana or my grandma. I mean, people out there got a big mama or a Nana, you know, you want to be with them. You didn't want to be in the system. And what deterred me further away from foster care or not liking it at first is that I was I, I was sent to foster care with my two sisters, but I was in a foster care alone and they were in another foster home together. Mm. So I advocate and promote um, promote not having sibling separations in foster uh, care, because if you can imagine being seven years old and sent to a foster home by yourself with nobody to kind of lean on, you know, it kind of broke me a little bit. I didn't even speak to my foster. My first foster parents was a very old couple. I barely even spoke to them. I locked myself in the room with a clock radio. There wasn't even no TV in there or nothing. And I used to listen to channels. I mean, a radio, a radio that just had one station at work, which was like a tower nine days. So you wasn't even on preference music. And I used to just listen to that all day, like uh, just songs on there. But um, foster care was tough early, but then I, I guess I kind of learned how to navigate and use the pros and cons of it because eventually it did give me some pros out of it. But during the time that I was going through it, it was a lot of cons. I had good foster homes. I had bad foster homes, but um, I think it's all in a process of molding me and who I am today. Really? Honestly, you say you were in a bad, um, you had good and bad foster homes. Cause I did go through two foster homes um, coming up. What do you think? Um, what was the biggest issue with the bad foster homes? Um, just motives. Um, 
and I'm not saying I'm a I'm a foster parent as well. I've been a foster parent for many years, and I'm not going to say like foster parents make a lot of money, but mm. some of them use you know that that might be their extent of their income. Yeah. So they might feel like I'm going to take these kids so I can keep this money coming in, and uh, kids know, kids know who's doing it for the money and who doing it for the love. You know what I'm saying? You don't feel that. You'll be able to feel that and understand that and know that. And I think uh, going into foster care, that was you could tell who was in it for the other reasons and who was there because they genuinely wanted you to have a safe place to stay. Absolutely. So either way, I got a place to sleep. I got a TV to watch. You know, maybe this guy is in it or these this family is in it for the money. But we we still take you out on trips and take you to the zoo and take you to the park and you know, would you look negative upon him? You know, this this couple, if they still do stuff with you, but hey, it's a it's a good amount of income coming in from you know having a couple foster kids. Now, granted, I might not love you because I don't know you, you know, but I do care for you and I make sure I supply your needs and you always get you know get a bath and I give you three meals a day. Can I speak on that though? Because I think that's really what the biggest issue for me with the um, foster system really is. Is a what you were talking about sibling separation. I got eight. I mean, four sisters, four brothers, but we were separated as children through the foster system. Um, and another thing with this, what you just spoke about, when you got parents that are in it for the money, like you said, as a child, you can tell because it's not about the fact that. Like you said, we're still going on trips. We're still doing all of that. But when you adopt a child or when you foster a child, as you said, you know, I don't love you, so I can't love you. That's not true. No, I didn't say I don't. No, no, no. You have to grow love, though. I know. But what I'm saying is what he's talking about, Um, I believe this is what you're saying, because a lot of foster parents that get children for the cash, there is no love. You are a check to them forever. Like they'll never grow to love you. They're going to always look at you as a check. So what's the. So yeah. the point is, is that there's no care in right. between the two. So when they're looking at you, they're looking at you like a check. So, yes, we're taking you out and stuff like that. But the affection isn't there. I can't come to you with those child, those problems that I have as a child, like things going on at school and stuff like that. Parents about the money. They don't worry. That. Hey, man. Hey, hey, didn't I just take you? Didn't I just buy you some new clothes for shoes and stuff like that for school? I don't want to hear all that. So, I think a lot of them are about the money. They just maybe they can hide it better than, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And even from my experience, the experience isn't the same. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You could tell if somebody wants to really be involved in your life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If I'm standing in your home and you're taking the time to have conversations with me, asking me how I feel, showing me the proper respect and love and me doing vice versa, you know what I'm saying? While I'm in your home, you could tell the genuineness in that. Now, you could mm. tell when it's stuff like, you know, when it's like a job. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm required to do. This is what I have to do. This is now it's time for you to go to bed, lay down, don't get up. Lock, you know what I'm saying? You can tell the difference between, you know, uh, I feel like uh, a person that's genuinely invested in who you are or knowing who you are than a person who is, um, uh, I guess, like uh, kind of like factory. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You, if you get the gist that I'm trying to. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it's time uh, to lay down and, and go to bed. Did the uh, social workers care? Um, I, I had some amazing They keep they. I had some, yeah. I had some good ones and some bad ones. Now I was a, you know, I I, I was a little manipulative uh, <laughs> as a kid, so I would like hype. I had an excellent uh, social worker, and I would just hype her up before she even did anything. I just, oh my god, you're amazing! You're the best social worker I ever had. I feel like that kind of gave me an advantage. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm gonna 
do great things for you. I said, you always coming through. And she would, <laughs> <laughs> you would like hook it up later. Like, you know what I'm saying? Later on, like, you know, have me come speak at some events for her and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. my, my, my foster, uh, my social worker is amazing. She's always been, you know what I'm saying? So I think I use that to my advantage. You know, you kind of learn little tricks and uh, uh, traits during the system to kind of uh, get to where you need to go. Right. How did you end up getting out of the foster system or did you grow up? And, did you get out when you were like 17 or how did that go? I didn't. I emancipated out of foster care. So hmm. that means that um, I was a warden of the state until I was uh, legally uh, an adult. And uh, I went straight from foster care to college. And that was one of the pros in uh, foster care was that my college was paid for because I was a warden of the state. Technically, the government was my parents. So when I went into college, um, everything's taken care of. Mm. Oh, that's a blessing. Yes, it is. That's a blessing. Yeah. blessing. Yeah. So, and so what did you go to college to take up? So I went to, well, when I first started, I wanted to go for pre-med because I'm like, this is free. School is free. So let me just go get the bang for my buck. But then when you had to have a 3.8 GPA and I was coming off a 0.7 GPA, I was like, mm. oh, I don't know if I can <laughs> manage. Right. So uh, I ended up uh, going to school at the University of Toledo, and I uh, broadcasting and communicating with a minor in theater, communications with a minor in theater. And then uh, I was able to go to seminary where I was uh, able to get my master's and my doctorate. Mm. Okay. There we go. Ain't nothing wrong. So um, now throughout that, uh, what was one of your uh, hardest times like of, of like going through the foster system, like going to college, not having your parents around, not having your siblings around? What are some of the things that you battle with? Well, uh, you know, growing the, my mom had regained custody of me and my two little sisters. And that was a very uh, tough time for us because, you know, we had we were on the thoughts that we were going to be this family again. But my mom had a boyfriend that was like 24, 25 years older than her. And uh, he had suffered from PTSD. He was in the military, all kind of stuff. So he wasn't in his right mind. And then he started getting back into the drugs and then we got my mom back into the drugs and then started molesting my sister. And then my mom was out there in the street. She was a prostitute. She was a, a drug addict, um, addicted to crack cocaine. And even my sister was as well. So one of my toughest times was during that uh, junior high, high school years. I used to fight every day in high school because I used to hear what my mom and my sister was doing for drugs. Oh. And back in the day, hmm. you know, you can't talk about my family. I had to go in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? But then if I'm going in everybody's mouth, I'd have been in multiple fights and everybody been in a fight with me. I would get I would continue to get kicked out of schools. Mm, right. So I developed this coping mechanism as a class clown to try to make everybody laugh. So everybody could be my friend. So they didn't talk about my mom and they didn't talk about my sister. And that's just a really, really hard time for me because I lacked. So I, I was getting constantly kicked out of school. So my grades was lacking. And, you know, I promote that now. And that's one of the things I talk about in my book, Push but how you're supposed to get your grades high as you can in the first early years so you can have some leeway when you get to that junior, senior year. But I started off with all zeros. So ultimately, it took me um, five years to graduate high school, and I graduated high school with a 0.7 GPA. And I remember that, and I verbatim, because I remember graduating, the valedictorian had a 4.7. I'm like, dang, this cat got a whole 4.0 more than me. <laughs> but I'm happy that uh, degrees don't have GPAs on them. <laughs> so right, I was able right. to get everything that I needed uh, to still be where I'm at today, which is Dr. Deontay Moss. Put some respect on my name. I earned it for playing. 
Man, hey, God bless you, man. Yeah, that's man. rough, man. That is that's tough. beautiful, man. That is I tough, can imagine. Man. I can imagine it being rough. Obviously, like you said, being a kid and hearing things said about your family and stuff like that. That's probably yeah. a you know a rough thing. And kids going through that. Um, I'm, I can imagine kids going through it now. Like it's you know with social media, it's amplified all the way. So that's sad, and I hate to hear that. But you did push through with it and everything like kids that. Kids are ruthless too. Yeah, kids are ruthless. I was just, just imagine to, what they was. I was just gonna get to it. Kids are the, some of the most unfiltered people. So if they got something to say about you. They will say it in the most ruthless, harsh way. And that's funny that you said you came up trying to. Um, you thought about being a you know a class clown or a comedian to try to make friends to stop people from thinking about you know what was going on. I think a lot of children do 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 that and go mm. through things like that. And I think that's one beautiful thing that you've mentioned right now because a lot of kids tend to just keep fighting. You know, I'm just going to fight everybody. And like you said, at some point, you're going to get ain't no more fights to fight. You ain't got no school to go yeah. to fight. So, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. Uh, what led to you? Well, I know what uh, I can imagine what led to you writing your book. What was the process of you actually getting into writing your book? Uh, the healing. It became therapeutic for me, writing stuff down and uh, dealing with uh, my past trauma mm-hmm. uh, really became therapeutic for me. And uh, it was a way to reconnect with my family members, like my mom and my dad. My mom had did a lot of time in prison. So mm-hmm. did my father. And uh, I barely seen my father probably like five times before I was 21. And uh, I really, uh, one time I seen him at a corner store when I was a kid, he didn't know who I was. And I died that day because I'm like, how you don't know me? And I'm your son. You know, I recognize I'm saying, hey, ain't you? And he like, yeah, what's up, man? You know what I'm saying? Walked out. And then I went to go visit his mom, which I call Nana. Mm-hmm. and uh he was there mm-hmm. and i felt like the only reason he knew who, who i was is because i was visiting his mom so then he was like oh hey son i'm like no you ain't my dad and we ended up getting to a fist fight that day right fight. so then i would uh wouldn't see him for years later and stuff like that ironically at a corner store again mm-hmm. and then this by this time i was almost graduated college i had traveled the world i stayed uh studying abroad all over uh the world germany italy and stuff like that and I didn't know what was going to happen when I seen him again, because last time I seen him, we got into a fight. So I'm like, nah, I'm grown now. You ain't going to really do what you did to me when I was a kid, <laughs> but I'm grown now. We might have to rumble. But when I seen him, he was standing out front of the quarter store and he looked like he was asking for change. I went in the store. I came out. He looked me dead in my eyes and started crying and started telling me all the stuff that I had been doing in my life. I didn't know he was keeping tabs on me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't think he cared about me because he wasn't really involved. But mm-hmm. then. Uh, because of my faith and my relationship with God, I knew I had to forgive him because I know forgiveness wasn't for him. It was for me because I still had empty places in my heart. You know what I'm saying? I had been watching Oprah and Ayana because she fixed your life. Right. And then she was telling me all these tidbits to uh, do what I need to do to heal. So uh, I had one of the best conversations I ever had in my life. And I think this was a turning point in my life was because the conversation I had with my father I used to always know I was going to be successful. I used to dream about it. I used to try to manifest it in my life. But I was like, I'm going to be so successful that my parents, because they didn't want me, they're going to be like, dang, I wish I was a part of his life. God switched that whole thought process out of my head. He said, you're going to go back and get him. He's, and, then, and that started with me when my dad had a conversation with me. One time I took him with him to church and I'm not even com- comfortable calling my dad dad at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm calling him, sir. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, things of that nature. Right. So I took him to church with me and we in church and the service is high. And after church, my father um, said this to me, my biological father. He said, teach me how to be a man. And I said, what? He said, teach me how to be a man. I said, what you mean? He said, all my life I had issues. I had problems that I did not know how to deal with. That's why I sold drugs. That's why I used drugs. That's why I was in our prison. He said, but you had a lot of trauma and you were over to 
you were able to overcome all that. I want to know the God you serve. Teach me how to be a man. My life changed after that because I knew my success wasn't just for me anymore. It was to go back and get my family so generational curses could be broken. I'm the Joseph of my family, the Moses of my generation, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to go back and get them because we're not living like we used to live no more. All that stops with me. Amen. And my life changed after that. Amen. God bless you, brother. When, what age were you when you start growing a relationship with God? I was a teenager. Um, so I had a foster parent that was really, I, I, you know, close. He was an excellent foster parent. I was his first kid. Um, I got into a big situation where I had got a gun and I was thinking about ending the life of my mom boyfriend for be, touching my sister and uh, beating on my mom. And I said, next time you do it, I'm going to end his career. Um, but then we got into a scuffle that didn't end up happening, but I ended up staying with him. And he got his foster care license to keep me. And uh, he loved, I've never seen a man love God like him. So I, I known him. He was a substitute teacher of mine when I was like 12. But then I started, I was in this court order program where he was like a, a mentor. And about 14, 15 is when we, I started going to church with him on a regular basis. Hmm. And that's when I was able to uh, get my faith. Uh, and then I, I eventually would live with, I lived with him until, hmm. you know, um, I was an adult. Did you used to smoke weed or drink? No, I, I just, I, I would drink in college. That was the first time that I would, I would drink, mm. but I never been, uh, I, honestly, man, I tried it before, but I think I got a chemical imbalance cause I was like a crack baby. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I honestly believe that when I was in college and I tried it, I was like, there's something wrong with me. Uh, I, I'm, mm. I'm feeling kind of weird. Take me to the hospital. Like mm. <laughs> this ain't a normal. So I had to leave it. I had to leave all that stuff alone. That worked for me. <laughs> Guy had me on a different path. He's like, I, you ain't messing with none of that. You just go do what you do. You get a, a, a laughter high or something like that. So mm. I don't mess with it. What church uh, are you a part of? So I'm a part of this church called Worship Center in Toledo, Ohio, with the great bishop, Dr. Pat McKinstry. Um, I've been involved with that church for many, many years. I mean, over about 15, 20 years. So yeah. That's uh that's where I reside. I, I did a lot with the youth there. We even have a uh, me and my wife have a marriage ministry that we have called Moss and Marriage. Our motto is "Don't do marriage alone." We share with marriage influencers. We share tools and skills about marriage because marriage isn't the most popular thing right now, unless you talk about polygamy. But we share tools and skills to make marriage work and challenges to help people with their marriages. Amen. That's beautiful. Man. Congratulations. And we've been. And we've been married 11 years. We actually got married on 11-11-11. So this mm. November, 11-11-22 will be 11 years of marriage. Okay. And, uh, That's beautiful. Congratulations, yes. man. So Appreciate it. Thank you. You have this book. Okay. So like uh, you were walking us through the process of uh, what, what gathered you to get this, this book. So when did you start writing the book? And, what, and could you plug the name of it really quick? I didn't catch the name of it. Yes. The book is called Push, Pray Until Something Happened Every Day. It's how I navigated through the juvenile justice system, foster care, with drug addicted parents, but faith got me to my journey to Dr. Deontay Moss. And I tell all the stories in here. There's a lot of healing. It's stuff that I never even talked about out loud that I wrote down in that book, and it's all in there. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And then I was able, I had to talk about it when I started doing tours and things of that nature because people ask me questions like, oh, you was molested? Oh, your mama did? You know what I'm saying? So I had to talk about these things. And... Um, it took me a long time to write this book, probably about 10 years, because I was trying to get it published. Mm. Nobody published it. Mm. Um, I didn't, you know, I was a young cat trying to get it published, but God saw, 
taught me how to self-publish, which mm. ultimately was the best thing that I ever could imagine doing. So now I'm self-published and now it's getting ready to be a movie. So I'm very how excited is, about that. How is that process self-published? How does that even start? You said it's getting ready to be a movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. even bigger, Bella. Mm, yep. That's an even bigger blessing. Um, can you talk to me about the um, self-published? Because I've heard, I think I've heard that maybe once or twice, but I'll never, I've ne- I'll be honest with you, I don't know what it really is. Can you break that down for me? Yeah, so self-published is when you do everything by yourself. If you get a publisher, usually they'll, you just write it and then they figure everything else out for you. But I had to go through every process by myself. So the most important thing when you write a book is to get it down on paper mm-hmm. or not, or type it up. I mean, type it up, have the book, whatever you need to say, have it typed up or, you know, written down, right? Once you do that process, then you have to get it edited. You have to get a copyright. You have to get an ISBN number and all that. I did all that by myself. Okay. I didn't, I didn't want to went out of it. So my book now is available anywhere books are sold. I mean, you can get it on Amazon, which is a normal seller on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, probably at your local library. You can even get my book on Wal- at Walmart and on eBay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that was because I went through the entire process by myself of publishing it without a publisher. Was there a lot of cost involved during this process? Like, was it a high cost to try to do a self-publishing? Um, It can be. You know, you have to find, it's different. Copyright is probably the same across the board because that's the U.S. government copyright. Mm-hmm. But you, there's different options to get like an ISBN number and things in that area. It's kind of like which process you go with. How much is somebody charging you for the cover? If you know you're trying to get the cover of your book done, that might be going to cost or somebody charging you to edit it's it's all about the way you go some of them costs i didn't have to take Mm. my uncle is a journalist Mm. so i was able to get my book edited for free because it was family you know what i'm saying but somebody might have to pay a a nice amount for you know something like that to happen you know it's about using your your tools and your utilities and the stuff that God blessed around you and figuring it out yourself. So it can be a big cost, but you might have the resources around you, depending on who you are to get stuff done that other people might have to pay for. Okay. That's, that's, that's so, um, now, so great question, uh, Mojo about the self-publishing. Um, and so now how did you lead up to, so this is going to be a movie. Yes. Now, how did the product, like, are you doing the product? Do you have a production team? I have nothing. No, nah, it's going to be a Hollywood thing. They just coming to uh, see who we are. So I think I expect this to be on the level of like an Antoine Fisher. There's okay. movies out there called Insta um, Family about foster care and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, with great actors in it and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely would love to be a part of the process. I even want a cameo. How did they find you? Well, my well, family. Um, okay. There's some people and my, my wife has... Um, People in her family that's um, uh, NFL players, producers, uh, NBA players and stuff like that. But then also I've given my book to a lot of people and they've been able to read my book and uh, producers and stuff like that. So they approach me about things like that. Congratulations. Okay. That's with that, beautiful, man. man. All right. Uh, last you got well, before before he gets his last question. You have to invite us out for the premiere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, you. I, I, I gotta add the youngest in there. I gotta add the youngest in there. Yeah. All right. It's on camera now. You got it. Right. You're on time snap that. But uh, last question. Uh, in the Bible, who are we? Me. Who are we? Most, no, no, no. Who are, who are we in the Bible? Race, ethnicity. We? African Americans. 
who are we? The African Americans? Yeah. The Israelites, right? Amen. All right. That's all That's I got. All right, man. You, you're um, getting the right teaching. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to <laughs> congratulate you on your journey. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for opening up, man. The book, the movie, and the things that you went through. Man, uh, some people would have gave up a long time ago and chose a different path, but you yeah. but, but you chose God and you stuck with it, man. Um, before we get out of here, what message do you have to relate to the children? You're not defined by your, your mother's and father's mistakes. You are not defined by your mother's and father's mistake. You got to live your own life. You got to go get it. Some of y'all are in charge of breaking the generational curses of your family. And you got to live your life and do what you're supposed to do to do that. Absolutely. Now, granted, it might your life might be a couple couple years. It seems like it's getting crazy out here, but. Yeah, I mean, listen. <laughs> for as long as you can. Yeah, at the end of the day, you can't worry about that. You got yeah, to keep, you, keep living. Right. Yeah, you still got to do your part. You know, a lot of people did their part and they left exactly. early. I feel yeah. like Tupac did his part. I feel like Nipsey did his part. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you still do uh, then, are, okay, since you brought them up, are they in heaven? Are they in heaven? Yeah. I, 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 I see when I get there. Uh, by the by, no, no, you can't. You, you, <laughs> you, you, a, you a Bible believer. Oh, I don't know. That. No, that ain't my I, job to know. I don't judge I, them. But my job is to make sure I get there. You're not judging them. No, no, you're not. I judging mean, I'm not them. judging them, but I don't Bible. know. I don't know. How? If you read the Bible before, you know what God's likes and dislikes is. Yeah, but that don't mean right. I don't know if I don't know if they went to heaven or not. That's not how. If, if all you can do is know. read the Bible, he, his likes and dislikes. Yeah, if that, yeah, were they living in fornication? Yeah. Nobody. If you're if you're not following the Bible, if you're not following Jesus Christ, He said, "Deny yourself." You're not denying yourself. If you didn't live your life denying yourself and actually following Him, then you should know if a person is in in hell uh, in heaven. That's yeah, simple. Let me tell you something. Tell that, you something. I, I really don't know how they live. I just listen to their music. So so uh, honestly, so so, so, so if I don't really, how you know how they live? They was on camera. What you say? They was on camera. Asked. How you know what how they live? What do you mean? Okay, the rap about? Cover, that don't mean I'm not going to heaven. I no, what was their content? Hold on, hold on. What did they rap about? What did they put out? Have you heard? Did they any of them put out Jesus Christ? Did they ever tell you Jesus is the way? Did, what did they rap about? Bring up their lyrics. What do you mean? I think Tupac. I teach a lot of Tupac songs in my class, like Dear Mama. Oh, but he he he, uh, he rapped well, about being uh, Mr. Uh, Thug Life. So you pre you teach him in uh, in your classes. What do you like? No, definitely. I, I love I'm to break like, down. Gangsta. I love to break down. No, like Brenda's Got a Baby is an excellent song. And I break that down to my students because there's kids Absolutely. out here having kids. That's a good song. I, actually, that's, that's I, a good I, I, I had my first daughter when I was 15 years old. It's part of the testimony. Now I'm a grandfather. But to say you, you know don't know, you don't, but but to say you have read the Bible and you don't know if they're in heaven or hell or not, then that it, you know. I have read the Bible. I do right. I, I continue to read the Bible and learn the Bible. You just because I read and learn, learn there's some things that's that's obvious. What is unrighteousness in the sight of the Lord? Fornication. If a man is living in fornication and he dies living in fornication, you will inherit hell. You you're going to hell. If you're not denying yourself on earth and following Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. That's simple. Now but you can see why, you can but see that's why Jesus died, right? So we can have an opportunity 
to hey man, you get the opportunity. If you don't forgive, you supposed to be so a fisherman. If I'm a rapper and I'm not preaching, if I'm uh, rapping about gangsterism, uh, having sex, having fornication, if I'm rapping about killing, uh, stealing from people, and all these uh, devilish things, the devil come to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. If I'm rapping about steal, killing, and destroying, I'm going to hell. What power? What source? Let me tell you something. Let me just say one thing. We don't know what they was doing at the last hours of their life. That's they could have gave their life to God. We don't know that. You weren't there. I wasn't there either. We don't. If know they was, was on camera, bro. They was on camera. Uh, I'm not talking about camera. I'm talking about before they before they left this earth. We don't know what the, what kind of relationship they had with God before they left this earth. I know what you put out. It's about what you put out. What what you put out there. What you put out to the masses, right? If you put that devil type stuff out there to the masses, then and you the way you lived your life, there ain't nobody married, ain't nobody doing that type of stuff. So you're rapping about this. That's how you live. You are what you do. You are what your works are. You are what your fruit is. I have not always been the best person, but God still uses me. Amen. <laughs> but you're still living, so you still got an opportunity. Absolutely. But I mean, I appreciate you coming out, giving us your time. Um, obviously, give us some info about this movie. The more closer it gets, we need more details. Because well, I'm not allowed to give info about that. Not, 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 not those kind of details. Yeah, yeah. As far as a release, you know, so we can get ready to book a book. A I don't even know the release, but I'll tell you about this book. There we go. Got it. Push. Push. Hey, Absolutely. Please go get it.